Welcome to another episode of Crossword, episode three, right, Luke? That's right. Excellent. It's good to uh, be getting to do this again so quickly. What do we want to talk about today? Well, last week we talked about maybe covering the roadmap. And this week there's been so much news. There's been so much sort of controversy and interesting things and tidbits to cover. But I have a feeling that if we dive into Josepha's post that she made just a couple of days ago on WordPress.org where she detailed the nine projects for 2019, that might cover off on the roadmap and a bunch of other things that would have been good to get to anyway. That sounds good to me, man. So so how was Spain? Spain was good. I just got back from a team meetup and I'm still a little bit jet lagged. So wanted to make sure we got this episode out, but uh, I might be a little slower. Did you get to do any, any touristy things while you were there? Yeah, we did two things. There was a street art tour, which I really enjoyed, where they gave some backstory to the graffiti in Madrid and some of the history of graffiti and street art around the world. I uh, really enjoyed that. You can see some photos on Instagram. And uh, we also did a tour. I forget the name of the museum, but there was a, a big, uh, yeah, big museum that was recommended and thoroughly enjoyed that. Got to see paintings done from the 1500s up to the early 1900s. And wow. It was quite amazing. All right. So nine projects for 2020. So you, you probably, or maybe you don't know, but did you know that there were nine projects that sort of Matt Mullenweg wanted to complete for the WordPress project in 2019? Yep. He called out the nine. I think he mentioned, was it State of the Word last year where he first mentioned them? Yeah. Um, We had, of the nine, there was creating the block for navigation menus, providing the way for themes to visually register content areas, upgrade the, what was, there were some ones around widgets and customizer support of blocks, uh, a WordPress directory for discovering blocks, and then there were some projects around automatic updates, uh, as well as the ongoing thing of triaging, like reducing the number of tickets and track. If I'm reading correctly of Josefa's update, of the nine slated for 2019, two of them actually shipped. Only two out of the nine. I'm not surprised, to be honest. I was just really happy to see there be, these are the nine. Yeah. <laughs> a set up, like a sense of, these. this is what we're working on. For me, it's I mean, obviously, it's, well, not obvious. It's fantastic to sort of set something and achieve it. But for me personally, the, having a direction is the important first step, whether or not you actually achieve it, because now you have something to measure against the next time you're going to say, this is what we're going to work on. You know, Matt Mullenweg does sort of cop a lot of flack for being the, the benevolent dictator for life, the leader of WordPress, uh, and... Sometimes it's justified, but it is useful to have someone who is in charge of the project, to have someone who's a bit of a leader who can set these sorts of goals because I'm not sure if everything was some sort of um, democratic process where everybody got a say that we would ever actually arrive in any sort of roadmap. Mm -mm. Well, especially you look at projects like our our best recent example is Gutenberg and 
how the decision to go that direction and then how it was built and sort of rolled out. Oh man, uh, you just did a post. You just did a post yesterday on block-based themes and the future of themes in WordPress, and uh, you know, sort of covering some of the recent. Um, there's some experiments and some pull requests and some controversy around like how things are sort of getting done there. One of the things that stood out to me, some there were some comments about more research being done, right? Like asking people what they want, and. My initial reaction to that is that, that that idea, I think, taken to extremes ends up leading to design by committee. Mm. I, can, and, I can see a, a risk of that happening, yeah. And that's and, and I think a lot of this stuff is about risk, right? Because you by going out and asking people what they want, um, people often don't actually know what they want or they end up favoring status quo, like what they're already used to. So there's the Steve Jobs principle here, you know, people yeah. don't know what they want and we'll, we'll build it for them so that they know that they want it. And I, I, I like the idea. Should we <laughs> apply it to WordPress though? Should it be applied to an open source project like this? So I learned something recently. Uh, I'll, to, to protect the innocent, I won't uh, I won't say her name, but one of my her name, one of my uh, colleagues spent quite a bit of time working at Apple, and something that surprised me to learn, I just really hadn't thought of it, is product the design and product teams at Apple have freedom to kind of do whatever they want. They can create anything. Like I'm, uh, this is just my own sort of take on understanding. They have the freedom to create, go iterate on ideas and build proof of concepts and you know go to great lengths. Ultimately, though, marketing decides what actually goes out to customers. And with WordPress, there, I mean, there's a bit of that, but overall, it seems like with the things get worked on that are interesting, which is great. And then ultimately, it's time for a release, and it feels. And I'm I'm being somewhat ungenerous because there are a lot of fantastic people who, who do put time and care. But a feeling from an outside perspective, if I'm not paying attention to what I know, is, oh well, that how did that end up in this release? Like this is kind of, seems kind of random. It's kind of like, it's release time. Here's what's available, and that's what ends up getting shipped. If we Which, circle back to Gutenberg, though, yeah, actually, I think Gutenberg did a really, really good job of solving this. Mm. Gutenberg had so much user research involved in very, very early stages, too. Hey, let, let's define user research because it means different things to different people. Okay. And so when you say Gutenberg had a lot of user research done early on, like how do you understand that? What does that mean to you? Uh, I guess two main things. One is validating that there was a problem, uh, and that happened a lot with Gutenberg, and we were able to define specifically the problem spaces, short codes being one of them. Actually, do you remember there was uh, an attempt at fixing short codes before Gutenberg e even came along called Shortcake? Ah, yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, and and the other aspect is validating the solution. So I was yes. involved with Anna Harrison, who was working for Tiny at the time, uh, who who make Tiny MCE. Uh, I was involved with her in organizing a bunch of user testing, where we sat people down in front of early 
builds of Gutenberg and recorded their screen, had a bunch of interview questions for them afterwards. This was happening at meetups. Uh, this was happening at WordCamps all over the world with all sorts of different people. But it was also happening at a really early stage with just design prototypes and mock-ups. Yep. This sort of brings me onto like a concern. Let's draw it back into the nine projects. One of those projects is providing a way to add blocks to different parts of the theme, like in the header, in the footer. And I am worried that we're not taking the right approach to defining that. And, and I would even say that we're not taking the same approach that we took with Gutenberg. Uh, because all of the early discussions and definitions are all developer implementations, developer documentation. It's all, ha the, all the discussions happening on GitHub, mm. uh, which is a developer tool. I'd really like to see a design-first approach, a design-led uh, take on this particular project. So, putting it as I understand it, we're talking about the future of themes in WordPress, right? And from your point of view, it would be great to have this as more of a design-led right. like exploration. And, and as you see it now, because things have been happening in pull requests, et cetera, uh, and this is generally a challenge with open source, right? Like the information's there, but unless someone's shining the light on it and knows where to look, it's you know it, it might as well not be there. Right. We right now in the Gutenberg plugin, there is an experiment to enable block-based themes, and nobody knows about it. Really, nobody's talking about it, uh, and you wouldn't know that it was even merged unless you follow GitHub. Now, to be fair, there have been uh, WordPress make WordPress.org uh, posts that link to the GitHub issues, mm -hmm. but to be able to really understand what's happening, you've got to be able to compile the JavaScript. You've got to be able to read code. You've got to understand the technical jargon that's happening in the discussion, and it's just so inaccessible for the vast majority of people who are concerned about the future of themes in WordPress. My initial reaction to something like this is like, I want to know what Rich thinks um, of Tabor Themes. He's over at GoDaddy now. Mm. He's done some fantastic stuff with blocks. And uh, I don't know, I haven't asked him about this yet, but I want to know, is he aware of this? And if he's if he wasn't aware, that would be a, at least a yellow flag in my mind. Um, and then the idea would be, hey, what do you think of this? How does, you know, looking at it from the perspective of someone who's taken the design first approach to building some great looking themes. Rich, mate, if you're listening, you can come on the podcast and we'll talk about it. Yeah, love to have you. The very first step could be uh, just redoing widget areas as block areas. So you and I know quite a bit about the customizer. We've uh, <laughs> we've pushed it to its uh, edges over the years. And when I look at this, like so much, like the customizer in my mind was so much of like the early promise of the future of, you know, like the idea of widgets were already starting to be thought of as blocks. Like in my mind, some of that foundational stuff was was piloted and experimented within the customizer. So for me, seeing that widgets to blocks was an important bridge between a lot of the legacy of what had been pioneered you know, previously and into this new paradigm. So that, yeah, it felt like an important early step. I the other 
Uh, Go ahead. I would just say, well, out of the nine that we want to talk about, that covers off actually on another one, which is to upgrade the widgets, widgets editing areas and the customizer yep. to support blocks. And, yep. and I anticipate that over time, maybe widgets as we know them now would be deprecated. Maybe you said a dangerous word. You said deprecated. <laughs> what I imagine would happen is that the interfaces for managing widgets would change. Uh, but for people who have widgets, that'll be an important thing. You know, you can still use the old like if you if you fired up Gutenberg and old, load up a post from you know years ago, it will still load in a classic block. So I think that's going to be important is you know there's so much that's gone like so much of the wordpress ecosystem like the theme and the plugin ecosystem is centered around widgets so ensuring a smooth transition that you know even as how we edit and manage widgets changes which i think it really needs to like it's been painful and and that's where a lot of improvements in the customizer are helping to alleviate some of the pains of widget management and the admin but as that paradigm changes and improves i think it's going to be important that the old stuff continues to work else I th <laughs> we'll add a, an even more painful uh, hurdle that needs to be crossed for moving from older themes or, or working with the new stuff in older themes. The other thing that we shipped in 2019 was the site health check. Uh, do you remember? I was so happy to see this. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if you like it. Do you use it? I do use it. Um, what I really like about this is the promise, <laughs> like what it represents. There was a lot of early concerns about some of the specificness of someone logging in and suddenly seeing what I'm not like something's wrong with my version of PHP. Uh, it's really hard to get right. But for me, I was just so excited to see this move towards very like operating system thinking where the system is advising you about the, sort of the status of your hardware, like uh, how things are configured, et cetera. So I'm super happy to see that happen. I think it sparked helpful conversations. Uh, I followed some of the hosting channels who were actively involved in its rollout and anticipating it. And it was done in the way that gave, like hosts could go in and across all their users turn off or on notifications. Like a lot of control was given, but I think it helped to bring more awareness and gave us something we can work with. Um, I mean, it felt fairly rudimentary for what, you know, for the, for the impact that it had the potential to have. But to me, it felt like such a good promise of, of what can come. What do you think about it? Uh, I'm a completionist, you know. I I, <laughs> I really struggle having it uh, with not all green checks across the board, and and the <laughs> yeah, reality is here. that it it probably won't from for most sites, and that's okay. So I, that's just a little mental hurdle that I've had to to overcome. Uh, aside from that, I don't really use it that much. I think it might yep. be helpful in support situations, and that that's just not an area that I have a lot to do with. But it it does a great job of um, giving access to a lot of detail if you need it in like a centralized place for support that you mentioned. And right. So if you're not using it, it's kind of doing its job. Right. Oh, the, we could spin off into notifications here, but. Let, let's not. <laughs> uh, we'll save that for another day. Maybe next week we'll talk about notifications in WordPress. Um, Maybe. That'd be awesome. In March, WordPress 5.4 is due. And in that release, the block navigation men the sorry, let me say that a different way. The navigation menu block should also be released. Have you had a chance to check that one out in the Gutenberg beta plugin? 
Not recently, no. Uh, I played with navigation a while back, but um, I think it probably, in my eyes at least, its value becomes apparent really only within the context of wider site editing. Um, I In your post, I loved how you dropped navigation, but it was an example. I can't think of a practical reason why I would yeah. drop navigation in context. I can't, I can't think of a good reason to put a navigation menu in a post either. Uh, or maybe maybe it could somehow go on a page. More, more complex content. Like it'd be interesting to have, like you might use that for an index. Actually, a table of contents block. I, I've seen some discussion about that on the Gutenberg GitHub, but I feel like it's stalled. I'd love to see that. Yeah. And then WordPress 5.5, do you know when that's coming? Three months later. <laughs> August, <laughs> I think it is. Sounds uh, like around just ahead of well, that, just after WordCamp Europe, if mm -hmm. I'm recalling correctly. So that's when the widget editing should be upgraded to block, be block-based. Uh, yep. Also, this is when the block directory should be live. Are you familiar with the block directory, what the idea of that is? I'm familiar with the idea for it, but more from early proposals. I hadn't looked at any proof of concepts. I mean, at a high level, I'd expect it to be an equivalent of the plugin um, interface in WordPress where you can browse, search for, browse, and install plugins. Yeah, that's, that that's basically it? it. It's it is. It's you've got you've got themes, you've got plugins, and now you've also got blocks. Only technically speaking, blocks are actually plugins that just add mm -hmm. and the the guidelines for adding a block plugin are that it <laughs> should only do one block not it shouldn't be a group of blocks right and that it shouldn't uh promote other blocks or other block groups of blocks or anything like that so interesting <laughs> it, it's all i mean all of those guidelines are currently open for discussion they're not they're not set in stone yet but It'll be really interesting to see uh, how the block directory works. The most interesting part of it, though, I think, is that the interface for finding blocks is just from the ins the block inserter inside of Gutenberg. And I'm yep. skeptical about how well that will work. I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but... So take this table of contents example, right? I'm creating a post. Do I think to myself, I'd like a table of contents and then just type in table of contents into my block inserter and find one that I like and insert it. I don't know if that is the flow or the user journey that makes sense. For me, when I'm creating a post, I'm familiar already with all of the blocks that I have at my disposal. And I write my post not thinking about, not thinking broadly like, oh, I'd like this random thing or that random thing um, more within the constraints of what I know I can do already. What what makes me most nervous, I actually quite like that idea of like in context based, like if it could be super simple where I search, oh wow, table of contents block, let me test that one out because I could get instantaneous feedback. I could see how it looks. Mm -hmm. Does it fit work with my theme, et cetera? Uh, there's a there's a few things that come to mind. First off, in my experience, uh, and maybe we're spoiled with Google, but search is a pretty difficult problem to solve. Oh yeah, like just the ability to 
you know, parse and return results. And then the other part of it is how do you help users? E either we have a really high bar for the quality of blocks, and even if we do so, like how do we deal with things like theme compatibility and determining whether uh, a block will work and not work, or you know, conflicts with other plugins, or there's there's all sorts of different parts and pieces. Like how once we, if we can do a good job of, of finding results, how do we then help the user know? Like how do we prevent like oh this block looks good but then something terrible happens? Mm. And and does it still look good when you change themes and things like that? Yep. It's a tough problem. Where, how opinionated should blocks in the block directory be about styling? Should right. they have colors? That's that's an interesting question, right? Should they be colored? Because if they're colored, they won't match most themes. If they provide the user controls for choosing a color, the user's going to choose terrible colors. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> that's that's um, that's somewhat presumptuous of us, right? Like the users can't pick good colors. Well, that's that's uh, that's a big part of Gutenberg. You know, look in the twenty twenty theme. We do provide the opportunity of, to choose, say, like the background color of a block, um, yep. and choose any color you'd like. Sure, but before you do, here's five colors that are already in yep. the theme that we recommend. The, the way that I'd imagine it. And there's a lot of a lot of this comes down to dependency management. I can imagine a block that, like themes, the future of themes, giving a clear like style guide, style set. Uh, that's like, all right, these are the colors that we work with, et cetera. And then a block checks the active theme to see if it has opinions, hmm. and if it has opinions, it inherits those opinions, and which d demands sort of a standard way of communicating opinions. Do you, but do you uh, think that'll be ready by August? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, not that it, it certainly can be, but... Um, do, do you think there'll be a land grab for block names? So, like, take the table of contents example. Your users will only pay attention to the first three blocks that they see, maybe five. Yeah. Um, and... If there's one that's actually just called table of contents, they're going to install that first every time. We know from the plugin directory that search is sort of fundamentally broken uh, in a lot of ways on WordPress, and it doesn't work very well at all. Uh, we'll and and presumably the block directory will use the same thing. So to answer your original question, yeah, I think there's going to be a land grab. Should, like in my mind. We, we should solve this search problem in a meaningful way. And I'm happy to see people game the system if the, that gaming of the system is following best practices and that it's staying... Like, I want to see us reward good behavior. If someone's created a block for table of contents that we've identified six things that each block should do, we don't make anyone do them. We, we might, perhaps, in this new block directory paradigm, say you need to meet all these checkboxes. But maybe there's the six things you have to do and the 12 things that are ideal. And if someone's done the 12 things that are ideal, we weight that and we favor it. We present that, even if it's not as popular as one that's already there. Right? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot that we can do to curate towards better experiences, and we should be doing. We shouldn't just leave it wide open to whoever was there first or whoever has the best name match, because I think that that will be the default. All right, three more things. 
these don't have release dates, so we'll see. Uh, a way for users to opt in to automatic plugin and theme updates. Any opinion on that? Um, it, it's interesting. So you can so Jet the Jetpack team has been doing some experiments with this, where you can enable automatic updates for all plugins. Uh, that's been interesting. I remember going through that with one of my sites and trying to decide, do I want all of these to automatically update or not? I think we're still kind of early on that front. Yeah, um, definitely not if you're running a WooCommerce store, right? <laughs> I, I, I like, um, I really like that direction of automatic updates. I think that's definitely where we need to go. I, I think it's going to be important from an interface perspective to be pretty cautious in how that's rolled out initially. Yeah. Like giving people the ability to turn it on uh, but yeah, that's I, I, like as one example in current state. Until we had something like Tied in better place to be checking, like I wouldn't. I'd want us to know, like, hey, what's the likelihood if we push this automatic update of it breaking something, right? And not doing that. The task specifically says opt in, and for that reason, I don't yes. think I have a problem with it. I think it actually makes a lot of sense, and personally. I never check my updates. I just go, oh, updates. Uh, I'm a completionist, like I said. I don't like seeing the little, uh, you know, number in a circle saying five. So I just quickly <laughs> go and do them as soon as I log into WordPress and just uh, hope that it was all fine. That's how I <laughs> do, do plug <laughs> the updates. Whole method. So I think that I, that would save me some time. I pretty much always read the release notes on an update, but uh, like for me, I'll read the release notes like on my iPhone automatic updates of course but i will still go back periodically usually a couple times a week and i'll check to see what updates have landed and then i'll read about the release mm. and uh if i consistently am not impressed that will sometimes prompt me to all right time to get rid of this thing this really uh goes well with the idea of notifications in wordpress which we'll talk about next mm. week because yes. i i think i'd prefer to be notified that my plugin has updated than to be notified that i need to update Yes, I'm happy to read the changelog in hindsight or in retrospect. Yes. Yeah. Another item is the exact same thing, opt-in to automatic updates of major core releases. So we already have automatic updates of minor releases. So would you opt-in to major releases too? Mm. On a lot of my sites, yes. There are some sites that I like. I've I've been asked as a volunteer to look like advise on something and for bigger sites it's like ah, i i consistently i did a couple of updates to large sites earlier this year where after just checking a lot of things i had that moment of like okay let's try and see what happens mm. and uh tried it nothing broke everything was fine but there's still that definite moment of tension where i think that tension needs to go away like it needs to be increasingly anticlimactic for major updates, um, even with like Mac OS updates, you know they'll they'll recommend it to you, but those major releases aren't done off for you automatically because there can be significant changes. Right. For for me, I'm usually testing the new updates in beta before they're out, um, and I have an idea of what the features are going to be. So. I, I actually wouldn't opt into automatic updates because I get some sort of level of joy of hitting that big update button and seeing the credits and 
being able to finally, you know, on this particular site, now I can use this feature and that feature and uh, get to mess around with it. It's a lot of fun for me. One thing that I'm curious about, so we have this cadence. Next year we're targeting roughly three releases with the intention of moving to about four releases a year. My, my sense is that that's probably the right direction for the project. It's interesting to compare that to, like, you know, again, within this operating system construct, Apple only pushes one major update a year to the operating system with miners sort of throughout, right? And they'll often do a, a fairly significant point one within a month or two or a few of release. I think it's important ultimately that we've decided like what works best for us in this project. And what I suspect is the case is a, a more rapid cadence is probably what we need right now. But it is interesting to think about within that context, I can see a world where uh, ma major releases become increasingly anticlimactic. Right now, though, like there seems to be more of a question mark in the air about do we keep up this value of backwards compatibility? Uh, Gutenberg as a project, I think like the heart of it's still there, but there are definitely things that, you know, it's different. It's a very, it's a paradigm shift that demands different ways of building things and thinking about things that will eventually uh, kill off. Like it's, it's a pruning exercise, right? Like there'll be entire aspects of how things have, have been done in WordPress that could still be done because you can turn Gutenberg off and do whatever, but will become increasingly irrelevant in the future. Let me run a theory by you. Uh, Gutenberg often gets a lot of uh, bad press for not being backwards mm. compatible. And technically speaking, there are some aspects that probably aren't backwards compatible. But 99% of the time, if you take a WordPress 1.0 website and update it all the way to WordPress 5.3, nothing will change the front mm. end will work exactly the same. Uh, the back end, you still have the option of, you know, con editing in the, in the classic, classic editor, edi not yep. the classic editor, but the classic block. And, Clive, right. yes. and, and if you want to automatically upgrade a post as, you know, on a per needed basis to the Gutenberg editor, I would say that for the most part, Gutenberg is backwards compatible. The idealist in me wants to say we never lost that value and mm. we should continue keeping strong to that value. What do you think? I, I feel so as well. Um, and perhaps I've, my observations have been in a bit of a bubble of you know, like being, expo being around more developers where I'm hearing a bit of that grading against the burden of backwards compatibility. From my point of view, if you WordPress has been and should always be non-technical user focused. And it should be focused on empowering their creativity. And for that to remain so, you have to keep trust. And the best way to break trust is to break their stuff. Mm. So yes, I, I would hope, uh, from, from my sort of limited perspective, Gutenberg as a whole has, again, a lot of great choices and decisions, but been more developer led in terms of like, here's how we're going to do things and here's how this is going to operate and it's had a higher barrier of entry. I've loved to see projects like Block Lab and others sort of take the power of Gutenberg and make it more accessible. And uh, yeah, as long as we keep that, so I think that focus needs to be there. WordPress should never be breaking things for people because the moment you start doing that, 
the, the trust that we've taken all these years to build begins to get eroded and we should be doubling down on earning more trust, which things like site health, I think are a good step in that direction. I think that's a pretty nice note to end the podcast on. Uh, I guess I'll see you again this, this time next week. Sounds good.